the world only remembers first place. Our culture, right? The way that we do business, the way that we live our lives, we only remember first place. If I ask you, who is the second best basketball player of all time? No one cares. Welcome to Axe Pro's Business, where we have conversations with people in business about their business journey so as to provide our listening community with a variety of strategies that can help grow their businesses. So, Brendan, welcome to Axe Pro's Business podcast, you know, where we talk to business owners like you, business people like you, you know, trying to share your journey, your story, you know, in a way, trying to help other businesses as well. You, as a talker, you know, as a public speaker, I guess you have a lot of, you know, experience regarding that area, you know, so you, you're going to share your journey, how you started, the challenges as well. For others that want to, you know, go into the same profession, they would probably see, see the way you've done it. So, Brendan, welcome to Ask the Pros Business. Thanks for having me on, Kaz. Happy to be on. Yeah, nice, nice, Brendan. So, to kick off, we, we always start from the beginning, you know, so a bit of a backstory about you, you know, who Brendan is, you know, where you were born. And how you how you grew up as a kid? Yeah, absolutely. So, born and raised in Montreal, Canada. Grew up as a kid. I was uh, a very annoying kid. I'd run all the time around, caused my mom a lot of trouble. But uh, but I understood values. Like I developed a strong value system when I was young. And I knew growing up that the only thing I really wanted was to get out of poverty, so I could give my mother uh, the opportunities she never really had. So, anyways, I worked really hard at business school, got the corporate job I ever wanted, and then the second I started working and I got out of poverty. I asked myself a new question that I never thought I would ask, which is how do I transition from using money as a source of revenue, as a source of impact, to how do I use my time and expertise? And that's when I had the idea for Master Talk, the YouTube channel I started, because a lot of the competitions I used to do in university were presentations. While other guys my age were, basket- were watching basketball all day, and eating chicken wings. I was doing the same thing, but with presentations. I was mocking the University of Warwick and how they were presenting or something like that. So anyways, long story short, I noticed that on YouTube, the content for public speaking wasn't very good. So I just made videos in my basement. And one thing led to another, and here we are today. Cool, cool, Brendan. So as a kid, yeah, Brendan, what were you motivated by as a kid? If I'm being honest, probably money, because I just never had any. It wasn't because it wasn't like this whole like I needed to buy a yacht. It was more just that lack. So that motivated me a lot. Because whenever we lack something, we motivate it. We get motivated to want it a lot more. We get motivated to chase it. But other than that, I, th- I think the other thing I was motivated by was just um, good, I, like good social circles. I, I loved being around, and I still do. I love being around people who are really interesting. People were really funny, people who uh, like to have a good time. And that's what I used to do as a kid as well. And I still do, of course, a little less now. But, uh, you know, when I was uh, when I was hustling in high school, you know, just uh, talking to a lot of cool people, doing a lot of cool stuff. But yeah, so it's but it was mostly money, money and a social circle, I would say. OK, cool. Yeah. So as a master talker, you know, Brendan. How do you stay creative? What brings out the creativity in you? That's a cool question. I, I think uh, it, it depends on the person. But for me, what's worked well is every day for an hour, even if I don't want to, even if I'm not in the mood, I write a YouTube video. So even if it feels before I start writing that I have no ideas, this sucks. An hour later, I'm always glad I wrote the video. 
So my activity is two things. One, you got to create every day. You got to write something. And there needs to be a purpose with your creativity. If you're not trying to achieve anything, then uh, you don't, you're not really going to be creative. You're not forced to be creative. Like for me, I want to create a vast knowledge like a brainchild for public speaking on YouTube. Like all of anything public speaking related needs to be on my YouTube channel. But obviously I haven't created everything yet. Like I'm still working on the content. So it's always an iterative process. But that opportunity that I have allows me to say, I need to be more creative. The second thing is put constraints. It's a lot easier to be creative when you have a set of rules. So for example, if I said, Kez, make me something, you're just going to go, I don't know, man, what do I need to make? But if I say, Kez... I need you to make yourself a gift, okay, that you can buy your mom, but you're not allowed spending more than $7. Now you're going to say, oh, oh, now I got to be more creative. What does she like? What books? Is that under $7? So that forces you to be more creative, add more constraints to what you're doing. Yeah, because because you got a budget, yeah? I have to exactly. walk, walk within your budget. You got it. And it could be anything, really. Not necessarily budget, but just, you know, um, it needs to be read or it needs to satisfy this type of criteria because mom doesn't like books. You know, things like that. Okay, cool, 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 Brandon. Now, when it comes, you just mentioned a thing about presentation now, you know, everybody, when it comes to presentation, even me and myself, I'm scared about presentation because I've never done it before and I want to. You know, how do, how, how am I going to talk? You know, I want to structure my, my speaking, my body language and all that, you know. So Brendan, you've been, you know, the master talker, you know, you've been in the game for quite some time now. How do you start a good presentation? Yeah, man, I've been in the game for a very long time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So starting a presentation. So I think the first thing that we need to understand is that most of us don't know how to practice public speaking. So that's something we can start the discussion with. So if you think about any new skill that you want to learn, Kez, whether it's playing a sport, whether it's learning a new instrument, whether it's starting a YouTube channel where you make videos for people, every single skill that you learn is not some brand new magic trick, uh, special effects kind of deal. You focus on the fundamentals every day. If you want to learn a new dance, you practice the same move over and over and over and over until you get it right. Same thing with really anything, right? You're always practicing on the basics. Basketball is another good example. You're not focused on the magic tricks. You're not focused on the special tricks. You focus on dribbling the ball, running faster, passing better, getting the ball in the net. But in public speaking, we don't do that. So let's say it's Wednesday and your boss comes up to you and says, Kaz, I need you to do a presentation for Friday, man. And you're just there like, uh, nobody told me there's a presentation. So you spend all evening And this applies for school, too, if you're a student listening. You spend all morning, all evening getting the presentation done. You finally get it done. You present it on Friday, and then you put it in the garbage. And then you move on to the next presentation. You're not focused on the same presentation and getting it, making it better. The secret is that the best speakers in the world present one or two things very, very well. In fact, my keynote, I've presented over 250 times. The same thing. That's how you become a master. You practice a repeatable presentation. That's good. That's good. That's good. But in, in practicing those skills, you know, would, would you say it's got to be something you're gifted in as in naturally you're just good in it or due to practice you, you probably get better in it? Yeah, of course. I, it depends who you are. So let's say, for example, and one, one analogy I like to give is with languages. So let's say your first language is English. You're gonna have, it's gonna be a lot easier for you to pick up public speaking in English. But in the same way, if your first language is French, it would be much easier for you to pick up public speaking 
in French presentations, right? That's the first step. The second step is realizing that once you have that that repeatable presentation and you practice it 10, 15 times, then what starts to happen is your confidence as a speaker starts to go up and you say, I know my subject. I know all these things. I know my topic. And then you can start talking about more tactics. How do you pause more effectively in a presentation? How do you change vocal tonality, whether you want to project sadness, anger, or happiness? And then you can get into something a bit more advanced so that you can keep tweaking the presentation. But I think to keep it simple for your audience, because you know there's a bunch of tactics on my YouTube channel, but I think the summary here is you want to find a presentation that you can do over and over again. Because if you're not practicing on the same presentation, on the same slides, on the same deck, you won't, you'll grow, but you won't grow exponentially. Right? And then after what you want to do, here's a pro tip I like to do is I record my keynotes and I send the video to 25 people. So then when I send it to 25 people and I say, Kaz, I want you to give me specific feedback on what I'm doing. So let's say Isabella is giving me feedback. She would say something like, hey, Brendan, go to six minutes, eight seconds. Okay, I'm there. Here, what you say here is wrong. Say something else. Or 16 to 23, what you're saying here your vocal tones are too high and you're talking about a car accident. Lower your vocal tones, sound more sad. But if 25 people are giving this type of advice, Kez, forget the tactics. The issue with people is they don't practice enough. So that when all that feedback comes in and you send a second recording, it's going to be a hundred times better. Would you also say being, being funny is a very important factor? to presentation yeah so so the idea with being funny is it depends right i think the easy way of explaining this is if you're not funny don't try to be funny (laughs) if you're like right it just doesn't work to your style this is great talk about i know it's pretty dark but there's a great talk about the death penalty on on ted like tedx he doesn't tell any jokes but it's a really good talk it's amazing it's really well put it. I'll never forget it. It's just that it was that poignant. It was that awesome. So I think for me, because a lot like building on what you're saying, a lot of people ask me, they go, hey, Brendan, should I use like a quote now? Should I use a story? Should I use an analogy? <laughs> like it's, it's actually kind of weird. But the, what we need to understand, everyone, what we need to understand is that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you use. What matters is what is your key idea? What are you trying to defend? And the best way you get the key idea is by answering the following question. If it was your last presentation ever, last presentation ever, and after you present, you never get to speak again. And in that presentation, we forget everything. We forget everything that you're going to say, everything that you're going to do, everything that you're going to be, your name, your title, everything. But we only remember one sentence. What do you want the sentence to be? That's your key idea. That is the thing that we're going to remember. And then from that key idea, you need to ask yourself the next simple question, which is, what is the best way of defending that key idea? Is it a story? Is it an analogy? Is it a quote? Is it anything else? Since you're the messenger of your own message, you know the topic better than anyone. It's up to you to decide what is the best way of pitching. I'll give you a concrete example with me. So obviously, I'm the public speaking guy. So most of my keynotes revolve around presentation skills. 
So what's my, how do I introduce my keynotes? The way that I do it is I made the personal decision of talking about my story. Why? Because when most people see me present, they always say, Brendan's a great speaker. I can't be like him. They go, what do you mean you can't be like me? They go, oh, no, you're just a speaker. I'm not a speaker. I was like, no, no, no. That's not the point of my keynote. So the best way to defend is to talk about my weakness. So I started my story. I said, when I was five years old, I was born in Montreal, and I have to learn French because Montreal is a required language. You need to know French in Montreal. But the issue, Kez, was I didn't speak a word of French. So for the first 15 years of my life, not only was I uncomfortable with presentations, I had to give presentations in a language I didn't even know. So that's a great story, not because it's a story, but because it defends my key idea that anybody can practice and learn public speaking. Yeah, like, like you said, Brendan, you, you're absolutely right, you know. The first thing is to take into, into account is your journey, is your story. And you are the best person for that journey, that story. You know, you, you tell it better than anybody else. You understand? You, because it's your journey and it's your story as well. You know, so Brendan, you, you've started this now, you know, and when it comes to personal branding or business branding, why is branding so important? You know, in building a business that we love, a business that we, we want to, you know, put 101% in, you know, why is branding so important? Yeah, I love it. And I think an easy way to explain this to people is think about all of the things that you buy, okay? You don't just buy shoes, you buy Nikes. You don't just buy burgers, you buy McDonald's. You don't just buy celery. Actually, you do just buy celery. But you don't just buy healthy foods, you go to Whole Foods, right? So in that same way, brands are a signal to the human, to the person that we are, of who you are, what you're meant for, and who it's, and what you're trying to achieve. Because humans have thousands of choices. We're more informed than ever before. So your job as a business owner is for you to say, okay, this human has five seconds. So how do I make sure in those five seconds they know who I am, what I do, and what I, who I value. That's why branding is important. If all you're going to do is make videos in your basement, like I did, <laughs> which is fine at the beginning, but if that's all you're going to do, you're not going to win, right? You need to have an edge. That's why with me, with Master Talk, well, A, the name's really simple. If, I call, if you looked at my name on the screen, if I made that my YouTube channel, it'd be really hard for people to find me because my, my name, for those who are, who are listening to the audio, my name is spelt B-R-E-N-D-E-N. That's Bre for Brendan. So no, nobody, no Brendan I know except maybe two people are spelt that way. So no one's going to find me. So that's why that's a reason why branding is important. The idea is simple. You want to create a message that everyone can understand, that are clear, so that when people see me in public speaking, they go, he's either for me or he's not for me. And that's why branding is important. Cool, Brendan. Nice one. Love that. You know, why have you chosen this career or business path? Public speaking, why have you chosen that? Yeah, I think one value add to your audience is, let's let's be honest here. This is a great book that I read uh, called The Dip by Seth Godin. For those who haven't read it, you should check it out. It's like 60 pages, not very long. And what he argues in the book, which is super, I agree with it so much, is that the world only remembers first place. Our culture, right? The way that we do business, the way that we live our lives, we only remember first place. If I ask you, who is the second best basketball player of all time? No one cares. No one cares. So after that, when they mention World Cup winners, no one talks about about the second country. All you know is you got it. the first country. Right. 
Exactly. And to build this analogy into your life, I'm not asking you to be a soccer player, right? Just so we're clear. The point that I'm driving is that out of all of the things that you're doing, because I know a lot of people have a lot of ideas and that's great. You want to work on multiple things. That's fine. But if you want to make a big impact in the world, start with one and make sure the problem that you pick, you're world class at it. So when I was 22 and I was pondering, what do I do? I have this great job as a consultant. You know, I'm making good money, but for business, what should I be doing? And I had 10 ideas, Kez. I had the idea for a career YouTube channel. I had the idea of being a motivational speaker, you know, Tony Robbins, <laughs> live your life, be happy, right? That kind of stuff. Though, yeah. though I love his work. I don't want to mock him yeah, or anything, yeah. but anyways, it's simple, right? Yeah. Or I could have done, I don't know, like uh, an agency, an ad agency. Anyways, I thought about all these stuff. But then what I did that most people don't do because we don't like to look at our faults is I looked at the category, the percentage I would be in. So what does this mean? If I started an ad agency, I'm pretty good. I'm a hustler. I could probably be in the top 40% because I don't really have a skill for it. I don't really like it, but I can make money off of it. Like top 30, 40%, let's say. Let's give myself a bit of credit here. Motivational speaker, not bad. Like I'm pretty good at speaking. Obviously, I teach it, right? So, so with a lot of work, a lot of branding, a lot of hard work, I can be in the top 10, 15% of motivational speakers. For sure. I'm confident I can do that. Next thing, career coaching. Career coaching, that's fun too. I know a lot about career choices. I could probably be in the top 3, 5% of the world. Honestly, like I'm just assessing myself. But public speaking, I'm number one in the world. I honestly believe that. I'm like the top. Not just in terms of skill and how I coach people, but more so for our discussion, I'm also the most generous. Because I'm the only person I know on YouTube that invests a lot of money into his production. So I'm a guy who lives with his mom in his basement, but I spend $12,000 a year on video production, right? Just so people know. So I realized very quickly with Master Talk that I was the best in the world at public speaking coaching. So that's what I should be doing because that is what is going to serve people at the highest level. So you need to humble yourself too and say, out of all the skills I like to do, all of all of all the skills I, I have, which are the ones that are closer to the 1%? And those are the ones that will make you the most money, create the most impact and serve the most people. Great, great, great. So in public speaking, yeah, we are into that business zone. Why is self-awareness so important in delivering your speech or your talk to your best ability? Of course, of course. So self-awareness is important because it allows you to focus in on what you're meant to do, not what everyone is telling you to do. So one of the posts on Instagram that I made a couple of weeks ago explains it like this. I know me more than you will ever know you. What does this mean? It means not just, oh, this is what I'm good at. These are my qualities. These are my strengths. No, no, no. It more specifically means this is what I suck at. This is the thing I cannot beat anyone at. I am ridiculously bad at this. I shouldn't do this. In the same way that I know I don't, I don't become a YouTube vlogger or a YouTube uh, stand-up comedy channel or the next Facebook because I just don't have the coding or the product vision that someone like a Zuckerberg does. It's just not my thing. It takes a lot of self-awareness for a 24-year-old to say, I'm going to make YouTube videos specifically on communication and public speaking. Because that is the niche. That is the, that is the bullseye that I know I can master and dominate. So for you and me, self-awareness means understanding more what you can't do 
rather than what you can do. Because we all get mixed up with passion. We go, oh, uh, you know, everyone's telling me to try a bunch of stuff. I think that's stupid advice because you're just wasting a lot of time. <laughs> Don't waste your most valuable commodity, time. You can't get it back. You're only 24 once. You're only 34 once. You're only 45 once. So don't waste it. I think what's easier is you make a list of all of the things that you don't want. Do you want to be a pastor? Probably not. No offense to them, obviously. Some yeah. people want to be pastors. That's great. Do you want to be a plumber? I would never be a plumber, but somebody else would because they're, they're more hands-on. They like it. They like being, they like helping people. That's great. So what happens when you do this? First of all, it's empowering because you go, finally, I'm moving towards something. I'm actually making a decision, right? Then after that, what happens is now you have a list of yeses and maybes. Uh, maybe I could be a scientist and I'm okay at science, but I'm really good at business. And then with all of that list, you compare that to your priorities. So let's say you're the person you admire the most in the world is Gary Vaynerchuk. And you notice that you're very, you like video editing. It's in the yes category. And Gary V needs a video editor. So now there's an alignment of who you can help and what you're good at. And then you can execute on that. And I'll give you a good example with me. If I just stood in my bedroom all day and I did nothing, I never would have had the idea for Master Talk. Let me explain this, how this worked. I was 19. All I wanted was a job. I didn't care about YouTube. I didn't care about, you know, all that stuff. I just wanted to make some money. That's it. So how do I get this job in accounting? Well, I need to get better at communication. I need to do more competitions. I need to meet more people. I need a network. I need to learn social skills. So I did. Point B, how do I get a job in consulting? A lot more competitive, one in a hundred. So one in 50, one in a hundred. So I was like, okay, it's very competitive. How do I get this job? I have to work a bit harder. I have to network more, get more coffees, get these skills. And then from B to C, I connected all the dots backwards. And I said, oh, I could do master talk because I speak multiple languages. I've coached a hundred people since I was 19 and everything. So all of the dots connected backwards. I didn't stand at 19 and said, I need to start master talk in four years. No, no, no. It worked the other way around. Okay. It was, I need money. Let's make some money and let's pick a career that aligns with my skills and aptitude. And then after I got the job, I said, what do I do now? What's my next move? And then the next move was master talk. What would you say is the hardest thing when it comes to public speaking? You know, the hardest part of it to start. Yeah, I, I would say there's a lot and it depends on the type of speaker that you are. But I think the most common one I get is lack of audience focus and obsessiveness. So I'll give an example. Every great speaker, they think about their audience. You know, we go, oh, you know, audience is important. We need to keep them in mind. We need to think about them. But the best speakers in the world obsess over their audience. They don't just think about them. They talk to them. They interview them. They get coffees with them. They get dinner with them. They understand the very psychology of who they are, who they're speaking to. What are their needs? What are their dreams? What are their desires? And 90% of speakers, if not 99% of speakers, don't spend the time to do that. So they can't tailor their message in a way that speaks to their audience. And I'll give you a concrete example once again. I speak to very different crowds, all the way from 55-year-old senior executive Tim to 10-year-old Rebecca. So you can imagine that when I speak about the same topic, I communicate it very differently. So when Rebecca comes up to me at the end of the workshop, tugs my shirt and she goes uh uh brandon i don't know if i can be a good speaker like you what rebecca is asking for what rebecca needs is not my advanced booklet on how to organize my talk so i could deliver effective presentations she doesn't care about that 
what she's looking for is a boost of confidence. She's looking for someone to say, Brendan, my whole life, no one told me I was a good speaker. Could you tell me that? So a good speaker would just go, go for it, kid. You got this. But an exceptional speaker will crouch down, look at Rebecca in the eyes and say, Rebecca, you have a beautiful smile. And I think if you share that smile a bit more in your presentations, you'll light up the world. So then her face gets red and then she presents the presentation. Why? Because I gave her what she wanted. But the opposite is also true. When I speak to 55-year-old executive Tim and I walk into his boardroom, the conversation sounds more like this. Yeah, Brenda, come over here. Yeah. So I got 15 minutes for this presentation and I got three sales meetings today. Can you just do this really quickly? I don't even know really why we're meeting, but like, can you just make this fast? So the way that I talk to Tim is good afternoon, Tim. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to speak with me today. Let's go through your slide deck and see what two, three key areas of improvement I have. The language that I use is different because I understand my audience more than anyone else. I obsess over them. I have dinner with them. I have lunch with them. Like Rebecca, we had breakfast right before I presented. It was just fruits. I just talked to her for 15 minutes. Take that additional effort because most people don't do that. Cool, cool. So in, in saying that, you know, so what what do you love about, about public speaking? So many things. I have a whole video about it. <laughs> but I think the big thing, the big, the big thing that your audience needs to remember here is public speaking allows you to scale your ideas. So one example I like to give is if you're a business coach or any type of coach listening, and you know, you're very good at what you do. You coach people one-on-one, you know, Kez loves you, you know, you're helping them out and life is good. But my challenge for you is if you want to impact the world, public speaking allows you to do group coaching. Allows you to coach 10 people at the same time, 15 people at the same time. And if you become amazing at public speaking, it allows you to coach 100 people at the same time. And if you become exceptional, absolutely world-class, then you can coach everybody at once. So that's what happened with me. I started one-on-one and I still did one-on-one, but I started one-on-one. And then I did one to groups. Like, you know, my, but for me, it wasn't like official coaching. It was my university students that I was coaching for the program. And then after that, it was speaking you know, giving a workshop to 80 students. And then it was, my friend came up to me and he said, you should share this information on YouTube. And I go, no, I don't want to go on video. And then he said, well, if you want to help the world, because Kez can't come to your workshop in Montreal, doesn't have the money for it. What are you going to do for him and for everyone else? Then I go, okay, I need to get on video. So video is the ultimate public speaking scale because now you go from one-on-one to the world. So my challenge for you, my ask for you is if you have something important to share and that doesn't need to be business related, could be cupcakes that you like to make. It could be a baking recipe. It could be lemonade that you want to share. It could be anything. If it's important and if it's important to you, then it's worth sharing. And if it's worth sharing, public speaking and mastering it should be on your to-do list. Good, good, good. So public speaking presentation, you know, and sometimes when you probably have a, have a show, you know, maybe you, you have an appointment to, to do one of these, you talk, you know, you might not really be, you know, your best self, you know, you might have your own personal issues going on as well, you know, but how do you hold out and still present on a bad day? Right. So the idea with bad days, you need to ask yourself the following question, especially in the context you've described where you're selected for a keynote and things like that. If you weren't able to give the presentation that morning, Is there someone better than you who can do it at short notice? The answer, obviously, is no, right? You're the expert. You've been preparing for this for months. What? It doesn't matter what the topic is, right? So you need to understand that the audience wants you there regardless. They want you there. They want to see you there. They want to hear from you. So that should give you confidence. Second thing, this is what I do, is I feed off the audience's energy. 
So uh, I'm transparent. Every keynote I wake up to in the morning, I go, oh my God, I got to wake up and I got to give a keynote. Even this podcast, right? Like, oh, I got like 10 podcasts. I got to go through this one. But the second I see your beautiful face, Kez, I go, man, this is going to be a good time. This is going to be a great pod. So I'm I'm stealing from you. I'm stealing your energy to make it very clear for your audience so that it fills me up. So so when I start, I go, hey, Kez. But after five minutes, I'm like, hey, Kez, let's go. Let's do it. Right? So that's the secret. You want to feed off the energy. Third thing I'll say is the best speakers in the world are scared like anyone else. Everyone has fear. Okay, I still do. Okay, when I presented to teenage girls the first time, I was panicking. I was like, how the hell do I get them to listen to me? But the difference is that my level of care, my level of obsessiveness, my ability, my responsibility to do well in presentations is much higher than my fear. So my fear gets crushed. In other words, care so much about your audience that your fear gets destroyed. Now, you know, I, I know you're a very busy guy. You know, you, you're working as a consultant, you know, and you're also doing 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 this public speaking and keynotes everywhere you know in regards to time management brandon you know how do you manage your time yeah so i have a simple simple question for people on how to manage their time better is ask yourself the following question who suffers from your inability to take action every day you decide not to do anything who is suffering who is in pain and i'll use myself as an example here there's many reasons why I shouldn't have started master talk so one side of the coin he's unqualified he's 22 he's a kid Who the hell is he to share public speaking tips with the world? He shouldn't start making these videos. But the other side of the coin, Kez, is a lot more interesting. Okay? And that other side of the coin is, who's going to help 16-year-old Julia? A speech coach who makes multiple six figures? Hell no. He's not going to want to make free videos for Julia. He doesn't care enough because he has so much money in his pocket that it doesn't matter. But here's here's the point with Julia for me. Is Julia... Super smart. She wants to make a difference in the world. Can't afford a speech coach. So she goes on YouTube. What does she find when she types public speaking tips? You know, she finds a bunch of old white dudes who don't know anything about public speaking. Who know nothing about public speaking. But Julie is a, is a bigger representation here. She doesn't just represent herself. She represents everybody in her age who can't afford a speech coach, which is 100% of them who want to make a difference in the world. Not just people in the States, not just people in the UK, not just people in Canada, people in Cambodia, people in Africa, people in Asia, people in Japan, doesn't matter, wherever. All of those people who speak English. So every day that I make the decision to say, oh, you know, Master Talks are not important. I'm going to go skiing. I'm going to go sleep longer. I am telling those millions of people that they don't matter. So when you look at it from this perspective, it's much easier to manage your time. So what I'm getting at is managing your time is not about, I need to spend five minutes doing this. I need to spend seven minutes doing this. No, no, no. It's a clear understanding of what are you making the decision to prioritize. Once again, I'll give a concrete example. I am the only six-figure earner that you will have on this show, Kez, that lives in his mom's basement, doesn't own a car, and doesn't plan on moving out until he's 30. Why? Because I'm lazy? No. Because my priority in life is making Master Talk work. The knowledge, the ideas that I have on this channel are important to share. So uh, even if I go bankrupt doing I won't go bankrupt, but even if I do, I need to share the information. So instead of that money that my colleagues buy BMWs with that I couldn't care less about, 
I'm investing that in video production, on amazement, on fascination, on promotion, so I can scale this message. So when I look at my calendar, my priority is master talk. If I have a family meeting, I say priority is master talk, but I still leave some time for that. If I have a Netflix special I need to watch, I need to understand every hour I'm wasting on Netflix means less people are going to get impacted by the message. So I need to say more yeses to these podcasts and more no's to using the same hour to watch the new episode of Black Mirror, though it is a very good show. (laughs) So the key is not about how you're spending your time, but what are you spending it on, right? It's not how should I allocate this, but rather what am I allocating it for? And then when you get there, then it's much easier to manage your time. Yeah, Brendan, absolutely. You know, picking something from what you just said now, you know, like when, when you identify your why, because your why is giving out your free content to, to help someone out there, right? You know, absolutely. So, so you've identified that why now, you know, and, and you want to give out as much free content as you want to do, you know. So when do you come to the point and say, you know, I, I've given out free stuff all my life, you know, when do you think that you want to start monetizing it or you want to, you know, you want to build that kind of empire for yourself or you, you, you want to still giving out free content for a long time. Yeah. So, so I definitely plan on giving free content for life, but I think where the balance is that people miss is that if you, it depends on the sport that you're playing, right? You know, if you're playing a professional sport, it's a different game, but in the influencer game, in this game that we're playing, the people at the top of the industry are the most generous. So yeah, Gary Vaynerchuk does not have a paid course. Right. He doesn't have a paid uh, $400 learn Gary V for a week. No, he doesn't have that. But the one thing people need to understand is he makes a killing off his social media. He promotes wine text, which is his business. Vader Media is the biggest marketing agency in the world that has the highest top line revenue growth because a lot of people, when they see his brand, they go, here's a million dollar contract. There's no RFP. I'm just going to give you the, the, the business. So there's a lot of benefits that Gary Vee is getting for being the most generous. He also gets to charge $125,000 per speech in abundance. He has more speeches that he can actually give at 125K. Same thing with Seth Godin. Seth Godin is someone I admire a lot because the guy's 60 years old, 60, and he still writes a blog every day. He has, he has been writing, just so people understand, he has been writing a blog every day since 1989, not 2009, not 2019, 1989. Every day, Christmas, New Year's Eve, he has not missed a day. He has given, he has written more blogs than I have been a lot. That's crazy. That's insane. But that's also why he gets to charge $150,000 per speech. That's also why he sells millions of copies of his book. Each book, he has 18 bestsellers, 19, sorry, excuse me. He has 19 bestsellers and he's going for 20 this year. There's always a benefit for being generous. Sure, it, it helps the world, but it also helps me, right? You know, I have a lot of clients who pay me a lot of money. That's why I never sell my services. I don't need to because I'm the most generous. So I get to have the most business. So my advice to people is the more generous you are, the more successful you'll become. So if you're selfish, you're always going to lose to someone who isn't. So my suggestion is make free content because the person who is is going to beat you. Cool, Brendan. So having said that, you know, what what do you say? What would you say is, is the best advice you've ever gotten as an entrepreneur? Best advice is the one that I thought of in my basement that I really liked. It's be insane or be the same. If you want to be like everyone else, go ahead and do that. You know, you want to get a job like I did at some point, and that's okay. But if you want to do something different, 
want to do something unique, if you feel that you're meant for something bigger than just uh, working nine to five and then, you know, retiring, then I would encourage you to practice being more insane because everyone who makes the difference in the world, everyone who changes the status quo, as you've probably noticed in this episode, are a bit messed up in the head. Not too much, but a bit. So what does that mean for the audience? How do you actually practice being more insane? Simple. And I guarantee you most people don't do this, but it's the first step and it's your first piece of homework. So it's your call if you want to take it. Go up to everyone you know, everyone you love, everyone you trust, everyone that you think are your friends and tell them all the weird things that you do that are not illegal. I'll start because I was like setting the example. I dance alone in my basement an hour a day. I speak three languages, but I can karaoke in eight. I absolutely love Justin Bieber. I don't know why people hate on him so much. I think his music's incredible. Same thing with is, Taylor is Swift. It, is it because he's, um, he's Canadian? Uh, maybe, but I, yeah, that's true. I mean, he is Canadian, but I also love his music. But the point is very simple. What I want people to pay attention to is not what I'm saying because that doesn't matter. Okay. We're all weird. Uh, don't deny it. We're all, we all got our weird stuff. The difference is notice the confidence in which I'm communicating it. I'm so comfortable in my skin that I'm happy to go into a public setting and say how much I love Justin Bieber's music or how much I love dancing alone in my basement. It is my favorite hobby. But what's the punchline? The punchline here is when you start communicating those weird things that are not illegal, once again, to everyone, whether it's eating chalk, putting ketchup on your eggs, some weird stuff. Here's what's going to happen. 90%, not 80, 90% of the people you're talking to, because we're talking to the average person here, 90% are going to do this. You listen to Justin Bieber? Are you a loser? You dance alone in your basement? That's weird, Brendan. Like They're going to distance themselves from you. They don't want to be around you because they're scared of their reputation. This guy's weird. Brendan's odd. For us, we don't feel that anymore. Because we don't have negative circle. We went through the whole personal development journey. But I guarantee you, 95% of the people who are listening to this, they go, oh, yeah, actually, uh, you know, uh, I like Justin Bieber too, Brendan, but I don't want to tell anybody that. That's where I started. So 90% of the people are going to distance themselves from you. Good riddance. Let's rinse them out because they're garbage anyways. But the other 10% that I'm sure you have in your life, Kez, are going to say, yeah, I don't care. If you like Justin Bieber, go for it, man. Just be happy. Like it doesn't. Like who cares? You know. Sure, you have a sec. You're this type of sexual orientation. That's fine. I accept you. It's cool. Don't worry. You know. You like to eat cookies for breakfast. Okay. Doesn't matter. You're Brendan. I like you. Doesn't matter. That's the secret. So once you've rinsed out all those people, all the people you don't need, you focus on the ten people that actually give a shit about you. Now you've you've made the first attempt at becoming more insane. And now you can question everything. You can question: Should I get married? Why do I need to buy a house? Why is everyone telling me to do that? Why do I need to have kids? And then slowly but surely, you will end up in where and me and Kezarat, which is why don't I start a YouTube channel on public speaking? Because why not? Yeah. So having said that, Brendan, what would be your best advice to someone that go- wants to go into public speaking? My best advice that I have for public speakers out there is figure out your public speaking why. If all you want to do is get the next promotion at work, I don't recommend public speaking for you. I think you'll be good. I, I And I highly recommend you watch the videos if you want. You'll be a top 10% speaker. Totally cool. But you'll never be best in the world. Never. You'll never be top one to five percent. But if the reason you want to master public speaking is to start a company, Brendan, I have this product or service that I need to share with millions of people. Brendan, I have this movement, you know, that I want to lead. 
Brendan, I did this research project for five years, but I'm scared of sharing that idea with the world, even if it's revolutionary. Now, my friends, now your public speaking why isn't this anymore. It's much bigger. It's a lot more important. The reason, the ability, the chances of you mastering public speaking has nothing to do with your current public speaking skills. I don't care about that. I spoke in French my whole life. If I can figure out public speaking as a skill, which I teach for free, you can too. That's not what's important. What's the incentive? What are we trying to achieve? If what you have to say is going to impact millions of lives, I can guarantee you can master public speaking. I can guarantee you can master it in six months or less because you just need to. But if it's just to get a promotion at work, you want. Cool, cool. So now a lot of people go through life, you know, and, and, and they want to be remembered for, you know, saying things, you know, now I'm talking about legacy, you know, Brandon, what would you want to be remembered for? No one's asked me about legacy before. This is interesting. Uh, the legacy for me is simple, Cam. Okay? And I'll only say this on this podcast because I don't think anyone else is going to ask me this for a long time. My goal is to become immortal. And the reason is because communication is one of the few skills in our world that will live beyond me forever. And the issue and the struggle and the unfortunate circumstance that Dale Carnegie had, for those who know his work, which I'm sure everyone is, he was born in the wrong place at the wrong time. Because we all we only have a book to remember it by. How are you supposed to learn public speaking with the book, right? I'm sure it's a great book. I haven't read it yet. I should probably read that. But anyways, the point is simple. Dale was born in the wrong time period. I got really lucky in life because at the age of 22, I had the public speaking skills and coaching ability of someone triple my age. Just because I presented hundreds of times, I had done so much. So I'm in a unique position in my life because of YouTube, because of how easy it is to produce high quality content with less money. I have an ability and I have an opportunity to be the best speaking coach that ever lived. Not for ego, not because I want to like coach celebrities. I couldn't care less about that. The reason is because I have an opportunity to share everything about communication, like everything I can possibly can, so that when I'm dead, somebody else can copy my work and share communication so we don't have to be afraid of this thing anymore. Because if everyone wasn't scared of public speaking, there's a lot of problems in the world that would already be solved. But the issue that I have is we have engineers, we have people who are really smart who don't know how to articulate their ideas, so nobody hears them and nobody cares. So that's my goal. My goal is to become immortal. Good, Brandon. So what would you say is the thing, the number one thing that you want people listening to this interview, this podcast to get out of this? I would say at the end of the day, whether it's public speaking or life, the first thing you need to do is you need to ask yourself the question, do I want to be insane or do I want to be the same? That's it. There's only there's only one. It's a binary answer. Okay, You can't be the both. Okay, You either get to choose one, you choose the other. You could be like me. I pretend to be the same a lot, but I'm actually insane. So you can't do both. So my advice is make a choice. Make a choice on which lane you're going to go to. And, and own it. Own it. If you want to be the same, own it. That's okay. I don't have anything against you. Most people choose that path. But if you choose the other one, and I hope you do, and you choose to be more insane, then you'll get on a path, you'll get on a trajectory where you'll end up doing something so unique that people will always remember you by. Cool, Brendan. It's been an awesome conversation, Brendan, and I love all the answers you're giving. You know, if people want to get in touch with Brendan, you know, what was the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, and I always say that I'm not famous like you are, Kez, so feel <laughs> free to just me- message me on Instagram. I'm at Master Your Talk. I answer all my DMs, so don't be, uh, don't be afraid to send me a message. Always happy to connect. And if you want to check out my YouTube channel, it's Master Talk in one word. Good, Brandon. Love what you do. Love your work. Doing great. Doing good things for yourself. You know, 
and I honestly wish you all the best. You know, I know you're gonna do good places and give you a couple of couple of years, a year or two. You know, you're gonna be the you're gonna be the number one, like you say. Anyway, I I know you're number one already because you believe that, and and that is what it is. You have to believe in yourself anyway. So absolutely. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So for those of you that want to get in touch with, with Ask the Pros Business, we're on Instagram on, on Ask the Pros. Hit me up, you know, and I'll, and I'll surely get back to you. Brendan, it's been nice, you know, and, you know, nice connecting, you know, nice talking, you know, and um, hopefully someday we'll get in touch again, yeah? Of course, brother. Thanks so much for having me, Kes. <laughs> Thanks, Brendan. We'll talk it. Cheers. Take care. Take care, brother. All the best. Bye. Bye. All the best.